Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Karen Waldhart. I'm pastor of women's ministry here. So just uh, give me a little grace. Hello, Impact Women. <laughs> it's good to see my girls. Can I have the podium, please? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a little bit picky. I found out that I'm flat tabled blind. I don't know why. I can't read my notes on a flat table. But uh, no, it's, uh, <clears throat> I just ask for a little bit of grace if I call you ladies. I'm sorry. But that's what I'm used to. But I really do know that um, I believe I'm also called to the church. Because we, when we do women's ministry, I can honestly tell you we're more interested in that relationship with God. And that knows no gender, does it? And so we're here tonight to celebrate the Word of God. You know, I had kind of a strange day today because you would think that, you know, knowing that I'm going to, God, the thing keeps getting in the way. Um, you would think that I would have been like at home in prayer all day. No, I was at Bell Tire and then I was having my car fixed somewhere else. And I, you know, I was praying, I was doing work and everything and, um, um, excuse me, um, and so, you know, I was praying and I asked God, you know, what's the message for tonight? And, and he showed me. We're going to be talking about make the past the past at last. One of my favorite scriptures, and this is a setup for you to get up so you can move up in the spirit. And one of my favorite scriptures to read Matthew 11, 29 to 30 in the Message Bible. <clears throat> and you don't have to raise your hand on this one, but it's going to ask us some questions. It says, are you tired Worn out, burned out on religion. Religion points us to our efforts to be good enough. That is exhausting. Come to me. See these words written in red. And some people have said if they're written in red, they're written in blood. And they're for us. Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus says this to you and to I tonight. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Turn to your neighbor and say, freely and lightly. And so this is what God has done for us, provided for us through Jesus. But I want, to, I want to walk my life freely and lightly, but I keep tripping on something that gets dragged along into my life. And it's very irritating, and it's actually bruising my other ankle. So I'm kind of done with this thing. But this ball and chain that's attached to my ankle. It is the culmination of all my failures, all the sins which I have done and the sins which have been done to me. They are the negative words spoken over me that I have received as my identity. They are my family legacy words that are saying, nobody in our family has ever done this or accomplished that or everybody in our family suffers from, and we can fill in the blank. Doomed to follow in those same footsteps. That is the culmination of addiction, alcoholism, 
things that we have a hard time getting past. We feel like something happened in my past that I seem to constantly be dragging into my present. And unfortunately, that weight is not causing me to live freely or lightly. And not only is it affecting my present, it's affecting my future. So what do we do when we recognize? It could be things that run in the family. I'm always going to feel this way. Depression runs in my family. Sickness runs in my family. Tiny box thinking runs in my family. And there can be hurts from the past. Church hurts cut really deep. Rejection, being bullied. But I want you to know something. God wants you to get rid of the past so you can run into your future. And we're going to talk about how we're doing that. And I'm going to have to remove my shoe to get rid of my shackle. <laughs> we're just going to get rid of it right there. So what's your ball and chain? And don't say your wife. <laughs> what's your ball and chain? What weight are you dragging with you to the past? It seems to always be with you. And it's designed for this. It's designed to short-circuit God's purposes and plans for your life. It's, it's designed to trip you up so you cannot run and, um, and enjoy that living freely and lightly. It is to, to, to discourage you from believing that God has a bright and promising future. And sometimes we look at that ball and chain and you say, God can't use me. I'm too broken. He knows what I did. He knows what's been done to me. I have too many scars. I have too many scars from my past. One day I had in my lightning fast mind a revelation. Jesus had scars. When he appeared to his disciples after he had uh, been resurrected, he had scars. And he showed his scars like trophies. Your scars can be your trophies when we give God the glory for what he's going to do. And he can take, and you've heard this, this is almost cliche, but I like it. He can take your mess and turn it into your message, your test, and turn it into your testimony. And you can wear your scars because it doesn't disqualify you. We'll never be qualified except by the blood of Jesus, and that makes you all qualified. God doesn't disqualify you. We disqualify us. And there is a voice of the accuser that wants to keep you in your uh, limping along style of life, dragging that heavy weight. The past that gets dragged into the present just so he can affect your future. Good news. God has so much more. If we think we have achieved a certain level of faith, we have only scratched the surface. And if we think we really understand God's love, there is so much more. Amen? Anybody ready to dive in so much more tonight? All right, let's figure out, God, how do we make the past the past at last? Because you're being set up so you can get up, so you can move up in the Spirit. Sometimes we've carried that ball and chain so long that um, it's like as familiar as a family pet. It's just the way it is. 
It's just the way it's always going to be. I'm just going to go tripping along, tripping along. But when we allow our past to define us, now we have not only have a culmination of things that have happened to us, now we have taken it on as an identity. I have not just done something wrong. There's something wrong with me. Or I'm not, I've done something and I feel guilty. I am guilty. I am broken. I could write that on my forehead because it becomes who I am. But what you've just done is empowered something from your past to become an identity that God never intended for you to have. And he has such a beautiful identity for you. He looks at you and he sees Jesus. He sees you covered in the blood. He calls you righteous in right standing with him. He calls you holy because you are just as holy as Jesus. And when we go to the cross, we find out who we truly, truly are. And when we find out who we are, we can release the past and receive in the present who we are in Christ so I can run into my future. But sometimes we carry that ball and chain, and it's something that's been done to us. That's called a trespass. And I want to say right now, I know that people have suffered at somebody else's sin. It's somebody has sinned against you, and that is not okay. In no way am I condoning something from your past, but don't let it define you. It does not have to be your identity. We don't want to empower that. Here's what I believe. Forgiveness is a very powerful way to break the chains from the past. And I know we don't always feel like forgiving. Pastor Daniel uh, Vanderklok did an amazing job on a sermon recently in the main sanctuary about forgiveness. I know one thing about forgiveness it's something that we have to do, otherwise it does chain us to the past. And the person who has actually sinned against us, they may not even know or remember or, or uh, are suffering from what they've done to you. You're left with the ball and chain. And you say, how do I get rid of it? We make a choice. We make a choice to forgive. And you say, I, I don't know if I can. They don't deserve it, and they never said they're sorry, and they probably never will. You know? We never deserved the forgiveness that Jesus offered to us. He loved us before we loved him. He loved us before we were lovable. He loved us when the world hated him. He still loved. And even on the cross, Jesus chose to take a moment. Here he is suffering at the hands of evil men. It was the most, uh, he was so innocent, and yet here he is being treated like a criminal. He did not deserve to die on a cross between two criminals but he went willingly. We're going to talk more about that. But here he is on the cross suffering, and he takes a moment to take care of something very, uh, I call it spiritual business, very important spiritual business. If Jesus did it, he knew it had to be done. And he said, Father, forgive them. These evil men, forgive them. These evil church people who hate me, who wanted me to die this shameful death with nails on my hands and feet. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. And I say, Jesus, if you can forgive them, then I believe you can empower me to forgive 
those who have sinned against me. Recently, I was dealing with that. I said, Lord, I just want to get past this. I know I'm supposed to forgive this person. And it's supposed to be 70 times 7, which is how many? Yeah, don't be shy. I really know the answer. I just wondered if you did. 490 times, Jesus said, and that really just means infinity, doesn't it? But I was pretty sure I'd burned through 490 times to forgive this person. I was done. I was tired of dealing with it. I wanted to be done. I wanted to truly forgive. But every time I try to forgive this person, I get mad all over again. It wasn't fair. I would never have done that to that a person. That isn't, I just don't understand why they thought they could do that. And I finally cried out to God. I said, God, help me get past this. Because I really, truly do want to stop thinking about it, stop having to deal with it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I heard the Holy Spirit so sweet. You know, I love it when he says my name. And so he said, Karen, since the word spoken over you wounded you. It was a deep wound. And though I tried to forgive, I was wounded. And there was a, like a festering place that was becoming infected and the Holy Spirit said let me heal the wound so you don't hurt anymore and then you will be able to forgive and it really was just that simple I just said oh Father God I ask for your healing balm and I, it was like he poured sad, like a warm oil. And I literally, in, in the imagination of my mind, which is sanctified when we give it to the Holy Spirit, right? He showed me a picture of this wound literally before my eyes closing up. And then it was as if it didn't happen anymore. And I said, I can truly forgive. And I can walk free from what happened to me. Because God doesn't want you to hurt anymore. And so if you've been deeply wounded, can we just take a moment? Let's just take a moment. Because I know we do carry hurts from our past. And nobody who has hurt or violated you deserves to be forgiven. But until you do, you will be chained to that hurt. It will continue to fester. It will become infected. It will become your identity, and you will not be able to fully forgive and move forward until you choose to forgive. But can we just ask the Holy Spirit to heal the deep wounds in our hearts? We don't want to be the walking wounded. We want to be those who are, who are fully healed inside and out. So let's just pray. Father, I know, I know that there are people here who have suffered at other people's hardness and sin. And Father, maybe they knew what they were doing, maybe they didn't. But right now, we open our heart to receive healing. Heal that deep wound, Father God. Go deep. Go deep. Pour your healing balm on that place that's been festering and hurting. Yeah. By your Holy Spirit. Father God, <clears throat> thank you for healing it completely. I release the responsibility 
for justice. And I take them off of my hook and put them on yours because you want them redeemed. So I'm releasing them of the responsibility. I refuse to carry this anymore. Break that chain that has chained me to that hurt. And right now I'm making a decision to simply for, to forgive. Because I want to be free. In Jesus' name. If you can agree with that, can you say amen? So get out of that crazy cycle. It becomes a ball and chain if we choose to not forgive. Hurt people hurt people, but forgiving people forgive people. Let's be those people. What God told me, he says, your act of forgiving them will be part of their healing, and it will have a lot to do with your future. And for me personally, he said, in ministry, it was vital that I took care of spiritual business and didn't drag that ball and chain around anymore. Ephesians 4.32 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We're the forgiven ones. We don't deserve it. But God did it anyway because it was for love. So it is our freedom that's at stake here. Another possible ball and chain. And it's impossible to go through all of them. <laughs> but you, I believe the Holy Spirit is revealing. The Holy Spirit is revealing. But I just have a few scriptures to, uh, that may help you to break that chain today if this, if this is uh, something that you can identify. And if, if something's kind of welling up inside of you, don't say, oh, that's just me, that's just me. No, that's the Holy Spirit. All right? He's always trying to speak to us. We need to have ears to hear. And then it's always for our good. It's for our freedom. So I'm going to read from Proverbs 19.11 out of the Amplified Bible. Good sense and discretion make a man slow to anger. And it is his honor and glory to overlook a transgression or an offense without seeking revenge and harboring resentment. Ooh, without seeking revenge or harboring resentment. That actually defines what an offense is. And can I say an offense? It builds offense. It separates people. It, it splits churches. It splits marriage. It causes family division. It causes um, friendships to um, explode. It an offense is something that you continue to drag along. And if you're holding a grudge or carrying an offense, you think, oh, it's just about that one thing, that one person. No, it stays with you. And you're dragging it into every relationship, into your present and into your future. It's very toxic. But do you know that offenses are picked up? And I don't know, I just have this picture that it's like this. There's my offense. 
Picking up offenses, put them in my pocket. Picking up offenses, put them in my pocket. I pick it up offenses every day, and I get my feelings hurt all the time. That didn't rhyme very well. But I really do believe if we become so easily offended, you're going to get your feelings hurt every day. And if that's happening, you're carrying that ball and chain, where'd it go, into every kind of relationship. And so it's time to get rid of offenses. And it's almost like forgiveness because you really need to lay them down. Or as Proverbs here says, overlook it. Take the higher road. Choose Again, to not pick up that offense. I believe this. I believe every one of us in here have offended someone at some time. And we've basically grown up at somebody else's expense. So if I've done that to someone, and when they do that back at me, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask God to help me to take the higher road and say, I'm going to overlook it. Let it roll off your back. Don't pick it up, put it in your pocket, it starts to stink. What did Pastor Jeannie say? She says that it's like putting in, poop in your pocket. That's what Daniel Vanderklaat told us. And you think it's okay, nobody will see it, but it makes you stink. And it'll just keep on stinking. And people are going to say, what is that smell when they're around you? Because you'll bring that into all of your relationships. Offenses. Build fences. Get rid of them. You get to overlook without seeking revenge and harboring resentment. Instead, how about this? How about if you become the agent of love and forgiveness and change and bring light into dark situations so that other people can be healed, so that relationships can be restored? Don't be the one that picks up the offense. Be the one that helps tear down the fences. I believe God has called us all to do that. Another ball and chain might be things that we've done ourselves. I have a past. I, I didn't live for God. I've done things that if people knew, they would think, oh, I don't want to be your friend. I'm ashamed. I feel guilty. And here's what's hard. You don't get to change your past. You can't change your past. But if you're going to carry your past into your present, it's going to affect the future. But one thing I can do, I can receive complete and total forgiveness for my past so that I can run into a future without the ball and chain, without being tainted, without feeling I'm guilty. I've done something wrong, therefore there's something wrong with me. I have not only failed, I am a failure. And I've made mistakes. I cannot undo them. I'm marked for life. I'm, I can't be used by God. But let me just tell you, that is the words of the accuser of the brethren. He's straight from the pit of hell, and it's a voice of condemnation. And if you listen to the voice of condemnation, you will feel disqualified. But God, again, he has qualified us. We'll never be good enough to qualify ourselves. But he already did the work when he went to the cross. He went to the pit of hell, and he whooped on the devil. 
Anytime that we receive the lies from the liar himself, the father of lies is what Jesus called him, we are empowering him in our lives. Because Jesus stripped him of all his power. The only power he has is to tell you a lie and hope you believe it. And sometimes he's telling us lies about ourselves. God can't use you because of your past. You hide from it and you feel ashamed of yourself, but you can't change it. But again, I have really good news. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can somebody say amen? You know, some translations or versions have words after that that go this way, italics. And if you have a version of the Bible with italic words, can I tell you that the, that is an indicating that those words were not found in the original text. And there's a lot more to it, all right? And I'm not saying that, oh, no, we have a Bible that isn't giving us the truth. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this again, because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it says, period. You do not qualify for that unless you're in Christ Jesus. And here's just a very simple illustration. And you say, how can, how can that be that there's no condemnation? And the extra words that sometimes are added are for those who walk according to the Spirit. That's almost saying if you don't, as long as you're not sinning, there's no condemnation. Um, condemnation is already eradicated on the cross because here's what happened. This is you. Let's say this is Jesus. He died. He shed his blood. He was condemned in your place. And when God looks at you, who does he see? He sees Jesus. And that's why there's no condemnation, because we are those who have been covered in the blood of Jesus and everything that he's done for us. There we go. I had to find that pen. There we go. So it's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your past doesn't disqualify you, nor does it qualify you. We are qualified by the blood of Jesus. Is your sin greater than God's grace? No. So why are we hanging on our own cross of guilt and shame? That's a ball and chain that needs to be laid at the foot of the cross. I want to tell you a story about a woman who I just greatly admire. This is a person that I've gotten to know maybe in the last five years. And she's all, every time I've talked with her, she's full of joy. And she's got another story about how she shared the love of God with, with a perfect stranger. She's like an evangelist. She loves, loves, loves to talk about the Lord. And one day she came to me and she said, I'm going to court to get my record expunged. Cool word. I said, I don't know what that means. She said, when I was young, I broke the law and I have a felony on my record. And I want to uh, begin to move forward in my life, but I have a felony, and it keeps me from getting a realtor's license, and among other things. But in our court system, there's an opportunity that if you can prove to a judge that your life has completely changed, they will erase your past record, 
and she wanted that felony erased. And she asked me to write a character reference for her. And I would have loved to have been there because I said, oh, I'm going to be praying. I'm just going to be praying. You have favor of the Lord. I see such a, not a behavior change. She was, had a total heart transformation. And she was a totally new creation in Christ. She lived it. She talked it. She walked it. And I could not wait to hear what happened. And she told her story when she came back. She said, I had a chance to explain to the judge. And it happened to be the same judge that he had uh, put her in prison years ago with that felony. And I don't know if that's the way the court system works, but she said, I stood in front of that same judge, and I just explained to her my love for God, and she read all the character references, and this is what the judge said to her, I have never met anyone whose life has been so totally radically changed, and she expunged her record. Ladies and gentlemen, Believers in Jesus, your record has been expunged at the cross. When you walk before God in your present day, he does not see your past because he already took care of it. He became sin in our place so that you would not have to be a sinner. He empowers you to go and sin no more because he offers you the gift of no condemnation. And grace in itself is always undeserved. But if you will receive this amazing gift of, of expunging your record of wrongs from the past, it will free you in your present to walk into the presence and the purposes and the callings of God. And don't you let that condemnation short-circuit what God has for you. Because like I said at the beginning, there's always so much more. Let's get free from the past at last so you can run into your future because God always has good things planned for you. We unshackle that ball and chain of guilt and shame by receiving his forgiveness. And you're going to have to choose to forgive yourself. Don't be a hero and think you have to hang on your own cross of guilt and shame. This isn't charity. This isn't charity. Don't be proud. Say, I can't do this on my own, Jesus, but you did it for me. A couple weeks ago. <laughs> well, let me read this first. Let me close with this. Hebrews 12:1 in the Passion says, As for us, as for you tonight, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out for us. Friends, we have a race to run. It's not a sprint. It's a lifelong marathon. And we want to run it freely and lightly, not tripping over the ball and chain of our past. Let go of it. Receive forgiveness. Offer forgiveness. Say, God, whatever it takes to get rid of that, Lord Jesus, my heart is open to receive. And don't you listen to the voice of the accuser that calls you guilty because... 
I want to read something that I believe the Holy Spirit downloaded for me to read to you tonight. Just a back story. I woke up one morning and it was as if the Holy Spirit was sitting next to my bed reading to me. And I was just listening. And at one point he said, get up, write the words. I'll give you the words. So I want to read it to you. Through Adam and Eve's one sin, the whole human race had fallen. Adam and Eve surrendered their rightful, God-given authority to Satan, who was now the ruler of the world. A curse had fallen on mankind, and there was now an open door for Satan to steal, kill, and destroy with every kind of evil, hatred, sickness, and jealousy, and murder, because the light of life had been snuffed out, and mankind was doomed to live forever in the darkness of their own hearts. Instead of enjoying life with God, Adam and Eve would hide from God in their guilt and their shame. There was no hope at this moment. There was nothing Adam and Eve could do to undo the power of death and destruction that was now set into motion. Man was now separated from God by their own sin, and they could not save themselves from a life apart from God. At this moment, when mankind fell, there was a shift in the heavenlies. All of heaven paused. Something was different. Something had changed. Where the light of life once shone, there was now darkness. But at that same moment that Adam and Eve sinned, God immediately set a rescue mission into motion. For in the headquarters of heaven, Father God called an emergency meeting with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father turned to his son Jesus, and with great sadness he reported, because of sin we are now separated from the very people whom we have created and loved. My people have been kidnapped by their own sin and now are now being held captive by Satan's lies and deception. We must rescue them because I cannot and I will not tolerate this separation for eternity from those whom I love. I love them too much to allow them to remain in captivity in their sinful condition. Satan is holding mankind hostage. But Jesus, we will pay the ransom that sin demands. Jesus, you are the only hope. You are the only one who can complete the rescue mission. And when the time is right, I'm sending you, Jesus, as an ambassador from heaven to the earth. You must take on human flesh, be born as a baby, grow to be a man who will complete the task I set before you. Restore my kingdom on the earth. Restore relationship with my people. Pay the ransom and defeat the devil once and for all. Your time on earth will be short, but it is up to you to save the entire human race. Sin entered into this world through a man. Sin must be defeated by a man. For the demand of sin is death. The ransom can only be paid by the blood of a sinless, perfect man. You will have to live the same life as the people on earth, facing the same temptations as they, only without sin. In thought, word, or deed, you must live a sinless, perfect life in an imperfect, sinful world. But you must do this without any advantages, rights, and powers belonging to you as God. You must do only what you see me do and say only what you hear me say, for I will always be with you, my son. 
You will be loved by those who recognize me as their long-awaited promised Messiah. Demonstrate my heart of love for my people wherever you go, Jesus. Heal the sick, heal the brokenhearted, raise the dead. But despite the miracles and truth you will bring, you will be hated by those who do not know me. They will reject you because they reject me. They will wrongly accuse you. They will abuse you and sentence you to die a painful, shameful death nailed to a Roman cross. They will believe that they are destroying you and sentencing you to die. But I will take their hatred and turn it into their salvation. Sin must be punished, for I am a just God. My desire is for relationship to be restored by removing the sin as far as the east is from the west. I desire that all will be saved. I do not delight in the death of anyone. Sin must be judged. It must be punished. But someone must, must die, for the wages of sin is death. Jesus, you will be their substitute, and you will receive the punishment they deserve. You will become the sin of the past the present, and the future, even though you will never have any sin of your own. You will be the innocent suffering for the guilty. You will become sin, so my people will be made righteous. And sadly, at that moment, I must turn my back on you, son, because the sin of the world will separate you and I until that ransom is paid in full. I must burn the fullness of my judgment, wrath, and anger upon you, for if I do not judge sin, then I am not a just God. You will receive the punishment on behalf of the guilty because I do not desire to punish the people whom I love. You will carry their shame, receive their guilt and condemnation. Not only will you become sin, but you will also become sick, carrying every pain, sickness, and disease in your own body. You will become sick so my people can be healed. When the punishment is complete and finished... I will declare my people righteous, holy, and blameless before me. For through your death, Jesus, sin will be removed once and for all. Relationship will be restored. Then I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and remember their sin no more. You will be buried in a tomb. And the devil will dance on your grave because he does not know that he will have just made the most foolish move of his sorry life. For in three days I will breathe my breath of life back into you and you will rise and burst forth in life, therefore defeating death and the devil. No one can take your life from you, Jesus, because you must willingly lay it down for those whom we love. Ultimately, you will be born to die. Because then and only then can the demands of sin be met. Sin came into the world through a man. Sin must be eradicated by a man. Jesus, you are that man. You are that Savior. You are the only way, the only truth, and the only life. The only hope to reverse the curse on mankind and restore right relationship with me. The weight of the world's sin is now upon your shoulders. Jesus, do you accept this rescue mission? Jesus answered that in John 10, 18, when he said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down voluntarily. I am authorized and have power to lay it down 
and I can give it up. And I am authorized to have the power to take it back. This command I have received from my Father. Let's pray. Jesus, at the cross, you took everything from my past and you applied your blood. You took my guilt, my shame. You were condemned for me so that I can walk free, freely and lightly. You even chose to forgive to show me how I can also choose to forgive even when it's unjust. So Father, right now we just receive what you finished on the cross on our behalf. Help me not to waste one drop of your precious blood and to walk in the fullness of your finished work today. I thank you, Father, that because of Jesus, we can walk free from our past, enjoy our present day with you, and run into our future that you have called bright with hope and filled with good things, Lord God. Thank you that you declared us free indeed in the mighty name of Jesus. While every head is bowed, if you're here tonight and you don't know that Jesus, or maybe you've walked away, maybe you've been carrying a lot of shame, maybe you felt disqualified to be in relationship with God. He's wooing you and calling you here tonight. It's so simple. It's such an amazing miracle to be transformed from our old way of living into a brand new creation by simply opening your heart and receiving him. And it's by faith. It doesn't have to feel a certain way. It is something that you mean from your heart. We come to a place where you say, I can't do this by myself. I need you, Jesus. And he is here for the asking. So can we all just say this together? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that you died and rose again. I need you. I want to live for you. And I invite you to live in me. Thank you that your promises are yes and amen. And as I receive you, I pass from death to life. I thank you that my future is bright. And someday I will live forever with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.